I'm Dr. Brian Goldman, host of the CBC podcast, The Dose. Each week, we answer vital health questions that will help you thrive, like, what does my mental health have to do with my gut? How can I prevent melanoma? How much sleep do I really need? And how can I manage my health without a family doctor? I chat with the top experts to bring you the latest evidence in plain language, all in about 20 minutes. Find The Dose on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. It's time for Ask Me Anything with former Federal Conservative Party leader Aaron O'Toole. Ask Me Anything! My name is Aaron O'Toole. I believe in this country, and I'm running to serve you as Prime Minister. It's time to restore accountability. Will the Prime Minister commit to never again break the law. Instead of debating our national purpose in this chamber, too many of us are often chasing algorithms down a sinkhole of diversion and division. Aaron O'Toole's career in politics uh, ended this past week. He announced he would resign his seat as a member of parliament at the end of the spring session, which wrapped on Wednesday. And he left his fellow MPs, including those from his own party, with a lot to think about. He called out, and you heard it just a moment ago, uh, called out social media in particular and said politicians, quote, sometimes listen to the loudest voices on their social media channels and think that's the will of the people. Now, Aaron O'Toole is here to take your questions over the next few months. We'll give you the opportunity to hear from and ask questions to prominent members of all the federal uh, parties. And today it's the former leader of the Conservative Party of Canada from 2020 to 2022. Uh, he's been an MP for Durham since 2012. He was Veterans Affairs Minister in the Stephen Harper government. You can ask him anything. 1-888-416-8333 or you can text us at 226-758-8924. Aaron O'Toole, welcome to Cross Country Checkup. For having me, Ian. This is my second Ask Me Anything. I did one in the 2019 election. So this should be fun. And, and you know, I'm looking at you. I, I can see you uh, on our, I guess, our Zoom connection. And you just seem so relaxed and you're smiling. Is this because you'll never have to stand up in the House of Commons again? Well, listen, I, I uh, never lost sight of the fact that what an honour that was to stand in the House of Commons. Um, there, there is stress to politics, Ian. So maybe I'm feeling a little bit uh, less of that. But uh, I, I, it was an honour. And I look back at my 10 and a half years with, with great joy and a sense of accomplishment for both me and our family. You know, we've had several moves. The kids have gone to multiple schools. We've almost been like a military family serving the country, and I'm proud of it. And you've been a military uh, person as well, and uh, yeah, you have a very interesting resume, not the least of which is is the fact that you and I are both uh, uh, alumni of, of Dalhousie University. So maybe somebody will ask a question about that a little later on. But uh, let, let me start with this. Uh, in, your, uh, in an interview with CTV, you said that, that the CPC needs to find a way to, quote, govern for the whole country. Um, there might be some who worry that actually your departure from the party might be a step in the opposite direction. W- what do you say to them on that issue? I wouldn't say that. I think right now you're looking, Pierre is leading in the national polls. I think most Canadians feel there needs to be change after eight years of the Trudeau government and, and sort of a malaise in the country, I would describe it as, Ian. So we, I think, will be the natural voice when there's a change. But we have, in the last two elections, won the popular vote, but not enough seats 
in urban and suburban Canada. I've talked a little bit about Toronto and Vancouver in particular, but I think we have to make sure that our policies meet the hopes, fears, and aspirations of Canadians in all parts of the country, right? Right now, we we almost overrepresent rural Canada and, and Western Canada. We can't allow that to not make us formulate smart policy on, on other issues that may be more, more important to urban or suburban voters. That's so difficult, though. And and then the balance of, of try, you know, this is a big, diverse country in so many ways, including geographically. Uh, and, and it's been a challenge for your party. Frankly, it's been a challenge for the Liberals as well to try to, you know, they, they, they get virtually shut out of Alberta and, uh, and, you know, parts of the prairies. So how does your party address that? How does your party maintain its power base in, in rural Canada and, and make significant inroads in the cities? I think we have to do that by saying, look, in Western Canada, they've been very frustrated by the Trudeau government not uh, getting our our resources to market. You know, in the last year, we've had the Japanese, we've had the Germans, we've had the EU all here asking for our natural gas and our resources. And the Trudeau government has stymied that. But in, in rural Alberta and Saskatchewan, uh, they responded very negatively to my attempt to have a climate change policy that met our Paris targets. That's the balance we need to strike, Ian. It is not easy. We have the most incredible country in the world, but it it, uh, it borders three oceans. It has two founding languages. It has 600 First Nations from coast to coast, some with treaties, some with not. We just surpassed 40 million people. So we've got an incredible uh, population of, of new Canadians from around the world. It's an amazing country, but it, it is challenging, the difference between the regions. And that's why I say... I said to my my caucus, even as a, a backbench new MP, we have to look at the national interest, not just our electoral coalition. And I think social media has caused all parties, including the Liberal Party, which was shut out of, of Saskatchewan and, and most of Alberta, to not consider their voices enough. So all parties have to look beyond just their winning coalition. We're speaking to Aaron O'Toole. We're live on Cross Country Checkups. Ask me anything and you can ask him anything by calling our number 1-888-416-8333 or connecting with us via cbc.ca slash aircheck. Interesting earlier, well, a few days ago, I guess, hearing from a former Prime Minister and obviously Conservative Brian Mulroney, he spoke on Monday night at the Atlantic Economic Forum in Nova Scotia. Um, and I think he surprised a lot of people, Aaron, uh, with being complimentary towards Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. He also said, quote, history is unconcerned with the trivia and trash of rumours and gossip floating around Parliament Hill. And, and some people are reading that as a criticism of the style of politics being deployed against Trudeau by, by the current leader of your party, of the Conservative Party. Uh, how, what did you think when you heard former Prime Minister Brian Mulroney? Well, look, I stay in touch with uh, the former leaders of our, our parties. And I, I think Brian Mulroney was the best prime minister of my lifetime as a Canadian, because he didn't look at, at short-term popularity. He looked at the long-term national interest, whether it was free trade, whether it was our, our economy, uh, or whether it was the global fight on apartheid. I think Prime Minister Mulroney helped the Trudeau government understand getting the NAFTA negotiations back on track, particularly because Mexico approached those negotiations a lot more strategically than Mr. Trudeau and Ms. Freeland. So I do think that Mr. Mulroney was very helpful to the national interests as well, of course, to the Montreal community. I think he he knows the Trudeau family well. But 
he's he's been at Stornoway for dinner uh, with Pierre and his wife. So I think he he, he as a statesman will provide uh, input and advice to all parties, because like all Canadians, we should want the country to succeed despite our red, blue, orange, green, the various colors. I don't want to put you in a position, and, and I know you won't. You're a very smart person, and you you know very experienced in the in the art of politics. I, I don't want to put you in a difficult position, uh, Aaron. But I mean, as I hear you praise Brian Mulroney, and and you know, in many ways, Brian Mulroney was statesmanlike, and he was in in many areas uh, moderate and open, um, you know, and and willing to take strong stances on things like uh, free trade. Um, I mean, it, it sounds so different from the way a lot of people perceive Pierre Polyev, the current leader of the Conservative Party, who seems so brash, some would say abrasive, who, you know, was raising uh, kind of the rumor of, you know, ask uh, Justin Trudeau why he left his teaching job, you know, like like kind of wanting to create innuendo there, but not really saying what he meant. Um I mean, isn't that the opposite of of the kinds of things that you admire in Brian Mulroney? Look, it, it's much easier being a statesman wading in once you've left politics. I'm I'm hoping to kind of get to that stage myself in a small way. But Pierre is responding to the needs of the country. You know, I heard Peter Mansbridge show. I was on his podcast this week, and and Chantal Abair and Bruce Anderson. They were talking about national unity challenges and and tensions in the country. I've been talking about that for many years. And, you know, when I was, uh, you know, I lost my caucus vote amidst basically a lockdown of the city by the trucker convoy that you could actually do a bright line connecting it to the vaccine politics of an election Mr. Trudeau called in 2021 when Parliament had said, don't call an election amidst a pandemic. So some of these tensions need to be spoken to. I think that's what Pierre is trying to do. I think we also, though, have to speak to the wider national interests and the priorities of cities on everything from climate change. Um, You've been talking a lot about pride and the LGBTQ community. I was proud uh, before I left as leader, we moved a motion to, to pass the conversion therapy, the ban on conversion therapy to support members of, of that community. So we have to make sure when you're running to be prime minister, it's not just for one part of the country. It's not just for your partisan supporters or your Facebook following. It is for everyone, even if they don't vote for you. And I I really wish that the platform we had put out in 21 could have brought the country together amidst the pandemic, but I didn't get enough support uh, to the extent I needed to to lead. We have a great democracy, even when you don't come up on the right side of it uh, as, a, as an active participant. But I do think Pierre's tone is different than mine in that he's speaking to some of those frustrations of people. And what he now needs to do is bring them on to the wider national purpose. I think you're definitely uh, taking steps towards that statesmanlike role that you're hoping to uh, have uh, post-politics. We are here with Aaron O'Toole, former leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, and you can ask him anything, 1-888-416-8333. And Prakash Mullick is uh, calling us from Edmonton. Hi, Prakash. Good afternoon, Ian. I I see in the notes here that you were delighted to hear Aaron O'Toole's uh, departing speech in the House of Commons. What's your question for him? Mr. O'Toole, I have great respect for you, the way you address the House of Commons, and the way your interview was on CBC and CTV. My question is, how do we bring 
civility in public life, especially with politicians. We can disagree, but rather than criticizing you and you are criticizing me and belittling, including profanity. So how do we bring civility? Not the Trumpism that you can call anybody any name, including profanity. Okay, Prakash, thank you very much for your question. Aaron? Thank you, Prakash. I'm glad you saw my speech. And I was speaking to all MPs uh, on all sides, including my own party, because the one thing I've seen is the influence of social media. And of course, we always get the influence of, of U.S. politics. But the increasingly, the social media piece means that the House of Commons is almost being used more as a clip generation studio for uh, for your own partisans um, to put it on to Facebook. Our party does it, the Liberals, the NDP, and not serious debate. So I think the very fact, Ian, you're hosting a conversation on this and that Prakash wants to see his politicians take that tone. I think we need to maybe change the way we do politics, more long form conversations like the ones we're having here, which are much better than a short clip on YouTube or Facebook, um, really respectful uh, disagreements so that you can disagree on the direction of the country or disagree on policies related to emission reduction uh, on the environment or something like that without, you know, fighting about the very existence of the country itself. So. Uh, I always tried to bring that approach. I also said that uh, I fell short of my own standard a few times, so I was also including myself uh, in the in the in the speech. So I think we need to maybe change the way we approach question period debate. I really think um, you shouldn't be able to use prepared speeches in the house to just parrot your talking points. The speaker should be able to uh, recognize really well-known voices, people that will be there to add. To- I'm Dr. Brian Goldman, host of the CBC podcast, The Dose. Each week, we answer health topics in a smart and sometimes counterintuitive way you won't hear anywhere else. Like, what's the least amount of exercise I can do to get the benefits? Which psychedelics can improve my mental health? And how can I check for cancer if I don't have a family doctor? Top experts help me bring you what you need to know in plain language in about 20 minutes. Find The Dose on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. To the debate, not just read their lines. The, the, the parliament needs to adjust to, to the times. And because so much political discussion is taking place on social media, our parliament needs to recognize that and make sure that it's not just a, a studio for social media clips. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's such a, a really good message. And, and as you say that, I think to myself, when I was younger, people would talk about uh, the importance for media literacy. And I, I think we now need to point out the importance of social media literacy, right? So it's not just politicians. It, it's also just the public. Those of us, like I'm on Twitter, and, and we just need to get smarter about understanding when we see, you know, one line about something or, you know, uh, dismissing somebody as a COVID minimizer without reading more detail. Deeply into it. I think we all have a responsibility. You know, social media can be good. There can be interesting, um, positive communities on there, but also, of course, it can be so corrosive. Our number here on Cross Country Checkup is 1 888 416 8333. Maria Rose Lewins is in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. Hi, Maria Rose. Hi. Um, I was just wondering, and maybe you can help me understand um, politics a little better, but it seems like 
the only choices we have are different versions of welfare capitalism. So it doesn't really seem like much of a choice at all. And, you know, it's, it's kind of this revolving door of conservatives, liberals, conservative liberals, but nothing ever really changed, it feels like. So I just wonder if th- there really is a choice for people or it's all just different versions of the same thing. And can we have a true democracy if people are pledging allegiance to parties? Anyways, thanks. No, it's a good question. And you know what, Maria Rose, stay on the line in case Aaron O'Toole has a, has a follow-up question uh, for you. But uh, Aaron, why don't you jump in? Well, thanks, Maria Rose, for the question. I do think that parties need to recognize the, the feedback they're going to get from their members, take that into consideration, but also make sure that they don't lose track of the larger issue. And you know, I'll use a case in point. Uh, Daniel Blakey was the NDP MP who stood up and thanked me for my service after my speech, someone I respect a great deal. It was his father who, as the NDP, finally pushed the NDP to support Canada's participation in NATO. So kind of took the Socialist Party and and made it a little more mainstream by saying, of course, if we ever win, we're not going to pull Canada out of NATO. That took real leadership for someone on on the left like that to do that. And I said to Daniel years ago as a military person, I really respected his father for that. I do think there is choice, uh, Maria Rose. There's the NDP on the left, uh, the Conservatives on the right, and the Liberals traditionally in the middle. But right now there's a a deal or a supply agreement in, in a minority parliament where the Liberals are relying on the NDP But in many ways, I speak to many liberals, including people who worked in Jacques Chrétien and Paul Martin's offices. Justin Trudeau has taken the Liberal Party much further left than it normally was. That has disrupted politics in that Jagmeet Singh is not really sure where to go because Justin Trudeau is is on his turf. Uh, It has made us, uh, you know, desperate to sort of occupy the middle, middle right. That's what I tried to do. But social media your main partisans are dragging you further in both directions. So when I was trying to occupy the center right, because Mr. Trudeau had left it, I had people saying that that was, you know, way too center and and not acceptable. But I think that was the winning path to represent the largest cross-section of, of Canadians. So there is partisanship. All of us have different views. Uh, you know, the left is, is not... Uh, capitalist in the in the form that private sector capitalism is kind of the small c conservative that I am. So you do get a lot of choice. I do think though that each party has to has to also make sure that they're they're there to represent the mainstream and not just some of the loudest voices on their social media channels. That's what I, I said in my speech. Increasingly in the pandemic, especially when people were just following their own sort of news sources and their own um, discussion groups, people weren't seeing the big picture. And we still see a bit of that in our politics today. Maria Rose, thank you very much for the question. And our next question, I think, uh, kind of dovetails really nicely from that answer. Greg uh, Ingram is in Peterborough, Ontario. Hi, Greg. Hi, how are you today? Uh, I'm well. What's your question for Aaron O'Toole? Uh, Mr. O'Toole, thanks for all of your work in uh, representing uh, Canadians. Uh, I served as a municipal politician back in my 20s in the 1990s at the time, actually, when Mike Harris came into power in Ontario. And I guess my question is tied more closely to the whole 
notion of uh, losing the term progressive to the name Conservative Party. And wondering, I guess, from your point of view, uh, and, and in line, like you said, Ian, to what was just said, how do you bring the party back to uh, and us hearing in the society more progressive offers versus uh, attack uh, uh, all the time against uh, what's out there versus offering up? Uh, I sometimes feel like uh, conservatives currently have s- simple solutions for complicated problems that really don't. Uh, they may get popular uh, voice from some people, but it's not really leading us anywhere. Thanks for the question, Greg. Aaron? Thanks, Greg. My family's from Peterborough and Lakefield, so I certainly love where you're calling from, and hopefully some of them are listening to this. Thank you for your municipal service. Um, look, you know, I consider myself a, a progressive conservative um, in, in terms of putting uh, putting the rights of people and putting sort of social issues. I'm more in the center. Uh, but it was important for the Conservative Party, the modern Conservative Party, to reunite after it was fractured in in 1993, when when that election saw the PCs wiped out, the Reform Party arise, uh, there needed to be a national right of center alternative. And back, uh, we saw many years in the wilderness where the Chrétien government really wasn't challenged. And we even had the Bloc Québécois, regional separatist party, as the official opposition at one point. So merging that party, led to the Conservative Party. You know, Sir John A. Macdonald's party was the Liberal Conservative. So it, it's had lots of names. We needed a coast-to-coast-to-coast national right-of-centre party. Um, but if you look at a lot of uh, Ontario uh, MPs like myself and Michael Chong, Karen Vecchio, there's, a, there's a, a dozens of them, We many of us got our start in the provincial PC side. So like any political party in Canada that's a bit of a brokerage and what it means to be a conservative in in Atlantic Canada is a little different than the prairies or or BC even within BC gosh there's the lower mainland there's the uh the interior there's Vancouver Island which is the most dynamic political environment in our country so this is part of what I've been saying Greg is even with brokerage parties you have to make sure that all voices are respected not just some of the loudest and and angriest. We saw that in, in the convoy where uh, a number of us, myself included, I'm not comfortable when when people blockaded railways or bridges under the, the hashtag shutdown Canada. I'm similarly not uh, uh, going to support people doing it based on uh, frustrations because of trucking regulations or vaccine mandates. I had tried to avoid those fights uh, running an election policy trying to accommodate some people that may not be vaccinated. I do think social media has driven policies to maximize short-term gain at the loss of national unity. And I hope over the next few years, as we come out of the, out of the period of the pandemic, that tensions begin to release a little bit and that we can see a little bit more you know, national leadership from all the parties. We're having a great conversation here about uh, politics and about representation. And uh, let's go to Andrew Fairhead, who's in Mississauga, Ontario. And Andrew, what's your question for Aaron O'Toole? Hi, Mr. O'Toole. So earlier you spoke about how you need to govern for all Canadians. That's one half of the contract. With the other half is voting. And I understand that voter turnout in the last election was less than 45% of eligible voters. So if you could, would you implement a 
program like Australia has where for federal elections, you would require all eligible voters to vote. Otherwise, they would face a fine $60 if they chose not to vote and participate. Now, I speak as a young voter. All right, Andrew, thank you very much for that. And uh, Aaron, we have about three minutes left uh, in the program. But uh, yeah, it's a great question. How do we get more people to vote? And should we make it mandatory? That's a great question. In fact, Andrew, when I was the conservative leader, I did all these Zoom town halls because I couldn't travel. And one in BC, this issue came up. And I said, one thing we should look at is mandatory voting. You know, my brother-in-law is Australian. I had always looked at that. There's such apathy in Canada, you can always just spoil your ballot, but it, it is a way of trying to engage the citizenry. People lost their mind when I even said we should look <laughs> at it. it. It generated some headlines. I think because of social media, we need to make sure that we're uh, engaging people. We're, we're seeing the decline of traditional media, the rise of social media. So people are self-selecting their news and not listening to the other side, not listening to other opinions. So maybe we need to look at what some of our closest allies, like Australia does, what uh, what other countries maybe are doing with proportional representation. I used to be against that, but I think social media is going to keep people much more resolute and unwilling to uh, to brokerage their party politics like, like 150 years ago the parties did. So perhaps we can have serious long-form discussions about this, where if you put out suggestions. It's it's not because you don't like our country or our, our democracy. You're wanting to make sure more people are engaged in it. So great idea, Andrew. And we'll see if, if any of the parties or anyone takes that up in a serious way. Um, Aaron O'Toole, as I often do at this point in the program, I'm going to be very unfair to you and ask you a question, then tell you we only have about a minute for the answer. But Sheila Gervais uh, texted us, and uh, her question to you is, uh, what are your views on proportional representation? And we do have only about a minute. Well, I was just alluding to that, Ian. I had opposed it when Mr. Trudeau ran on it. You know, I guess if he had kept his promise from 2015 that that was the last first past the post election. I'd be prime minister now <laughs> calling in with you, Ian. Uh, mm-hmm. That didn't work out. But I do think if you're looking at Canada, as Andrew said, with lower voting turnout, we see people just getting their news on TikTok and, and social media channels. We see a prime minister now who's had two elections losing the national popular vote. Perhaps it's time to look at modernizing our parliamentary democracy, recognizing that Social media is not going to go away. Changing news cycles isn't going to go away. How can we make sure people are more engaged? How can we make sure our wide and diverse country, as you mentioned earlier, Ian, isn't eroded and our unity isn't eroded because of our holding on to an older system that doesn't represent the times? I think we need to have these conversations. I have so many follow-up questions that I could ask you on proportional representation and many other things, but the clock is telling me that we have to bring this to to an end. But I have to tell you, I really have enjoyed hearing your answers, hearing the questions, and having a conversation about politics that uh, just was very illuminating and hardly partisan at all. So, Aaron O'Toole, thank you very much. Thank you, Ian. Everyone have a good summer. Aaron O'Toole, former leader of the opposition and former leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.